0: Welcome to the Profitable Farmer Podcast, where it's all about increasing the profitability of your farm by working smarter, not harder. G'day, Hutch. Here from Profitable Farmer. Welcome once again. This month, Andrew Roberts, one of our co-founders, who you will know, um, interviewed David and Bianca McGiveron from Our Cow, and it was such a compelling webinar-based interview that we've decided to run it as this month podcast. So David and Bianca ran a small farm only three and a half years ago and on the back of extended drought and fires, needed to find a way to reinvent their business and see it become sustainable and viable long-term. Now, within three and a half short years, they've um, launched a new business in Our Cow, And that business now has a team of near 30 staff doing a revenue of something like $800,000 per month. It's a truly significant agri entrepreneur story and credit to David and Bianca for learning the stuff that we teach at Farm Owners and implementing it incredibly strongly. Um, Robbo interviews them this month and as I say, such a compelling story of people willing to think laterally and nail a business model and a scale effort um, and now look to land a project in our industry that can make a meaningful difference both to our consumers and to farming families that supply them. So this month, enjoy Andrew Roberts and his interview with David and Bianca McGiveron from Our Cow.
1: My name's Robbo, for those that don't know me from Farm Owners Academy. I particularly want to thank David and Bianca for being here. Uh, they've been working most of the weekend packing boxes. They've had a they've had a huge rush. Their story is, is remarkable, and we wanted to share it with you because they have been on such an incredible journey. And I've been really lucky to be. Part of this journey from the beginning, um, going back, what, three to four, what, about four years, would you say, David and Bianca, a bit over three years? Yeah. A bit over three
2: years, yeah.
1: A bit over three years ago, we first met and our cow wasn't actually in existence. And I will talk about their story, but they, they obviously started a farm and our cow was created out of a need but also out of a vision. So I mean, I'm mean, going to share the story about uh, Literally Broke uh, and how they were able to launch this business during a horrendous drought that many of you would have been in as well. Plus, they were hit with the fires. So they were hit with a double whammy. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then they grew their business into, into a number of milestones. Their first milestone was a $25,000 a month milestone and then they grew their business into a $150,000 a month milestone. And they've just had an enormous month uh, where they're pushing $9 million a year. So over $800,000 a month. So it's, it's just an incredible story. They've done all of this in three years. Uh, they've been on, I would say, an extraordinary, crazy journey. But they've picked up so many business lessons. And they've done some remarkable things, which I'm gonna we're going to capture tonight. And share them with you to help you. G'day, David. G'day, Bianca. How are you going?
3: Hello. How are you?
2: Hey, Robo. G'day, everyone. Thanks for
1: having G'day. us. And, and thank you so much. Um, thank you so much for your time tonight. Uh, and we're going to get straight into it. I just want to start with the question How did you both get into farming? Because I know your business partners and also life partners as well. Mm-hmm. So let's just go back a little bit because I believe when we first started speaking, you were working in the mines.
2: Yes, so uh, I grew up on a farmer, banana and cattle farm um, in the Gold Coast hinterland, and I had, had some property out west as well as central Queensland, but yeah, I sort of grew up on a on a banana place and uh, dairy cattle at, at the beginning, and then we uh, went into beef cattle uh, when my parents shut the dairy in down. Um, but yeah, it was just... You know, I was born into it. I loved growing up on a farm, and uh, just you know had the had the best childhood. But you um, really didn't know how my mum and dad were struggling financially the whole time. You know, we inherited a fair bit of country, and um, you know they were just really doing it tough. And uh, yeah, that's how I got into farming. I guess. How, how about you, Becca?
3: <laughs> uh, I met this guy. I was I'm not from a farming background. I grew up on the beach at Port Macquarie. Um, and Dave and I actually met when we were in the mines. So I, we both were working in the mines. Like Dave said, his family like lost the family farm. So. Um, It wasn't a a generational pass down through succession planning or anything like that. We worked in the mines for a number of years and saved our butts off to try and purchase our first farm. I'm sure most of you know, when you go to buy a rural block of land, you need to have in excess of 40 to 50% deposit. So, um, you know, we'd saved that. We purchased a, a farm on the north coast of New South Wales. We were looking for a bit of the high rainfall area and you know when we moved there it just rained and rained and i said to dave i can't live here this is so depressing it never stops raining and then after that it didn't rain for about a year and a half so um that was our that was it was thrown in the deep end really quickly with our farm
1: yeah right so you you met in the met in the mine saved up a deposit bought your farm what five or so years ago now correct
2: yeah, nearly six years ago now. Yep, nearly so.
1: six years. So you haven't been farmers for very long, and of course, not long after that, gosh, you've got to be careful what you wish for. Bianca, you were hit with. Uh, well, it's because yeah, just not far from. You wanted to share exactly where it is and what it is that you were farming.
3: Yeah, so we're at a place called Bayugal, and it's about an hour and a half southwest of Casino, so it was sort of in between Casino and Grafton. And we farm beef cattle. When we when we purchased the farm, we were um, we had the goal of being wiener producers. We bought, we went into a lot of debt actually to purchase cattle to stock the place and we were turning off wieners at the time. And um, the first year we turned off wieners, we made not bad money. And the second year when we turned off our wieners, they were worth absolute pittance because we were in the midst of the drought.
1: Yeah, well, let's talk about that period because you did enter, obviously, a, a, a tough drought. You are affected by fires. And starting with you, David, you uh, talk to talk to me about what it was like for you guys in, in that period, You brand new farmers all this passion enthusiasm, finally getting into doing your, your live streams and um, yeah, what what was the impact on you and, and the business?
2: Yeah, well uh, probably the first we got burned out the first three years that we were on the farm, didn't we? So the first year uh, was just like a freak I don't know what happened a freak fire come through and burn out a fair bit of our uh, pasture. first year and we were building up our numbers so it didn't really affect us too much the second year um, we're going into that pretty bad drought in 2018 um, and then you know uh, uh, we we, the fires were just uncontrollable that year and we lost 70 percent of our farm in that year and then 2019 again the drought just continued to get worse and worse we still hadn't recovered from um, the pasture loss from the fire the year before because it hardly rained I guess and then um you know that 2019 the black um fires that come through that was just horrendous so it was sort of like four months of it we'd already started our cow by that stage in 2019 because you know we'd experienced the the fires and and the drought leading up to that in 2018 and we were just like in a position where i don't know like we were just mentally it was uh it was the worst time that i've ever been through you know like financially you're on on the farm and and uh you know we're, we're still working our ass off trying to pay bills and and try to get our numbers up really to be able to make an income to live off the farm and you know we just had, had these few setbacks and it was really you know we had had livestock dying because um you know we're we still we're trying to afford to pay for feed for them we had we had breeders that were dying, and we still owed a lot of money on them at that stage. And then we were trying to sell our weaners to pay those breeders off. So it was pretty horrific, actually. And um, you know, we had had a had a couple of little meltdowns, didn't we? It was pretty tough. I was going to
1: ask you, Bianca, what was it like um, emotionally? How how were you handling that period? You know, fires, droughts, not making any money. Um, tell me about what it was like for you.
3: Yeah, well, I. One thing that I remember that I struggled to comprehend was how much the livestock prices fluctuated. Because I'm not from a farming background, I just couldn't believe that you actually don't know what you're going to get for your livestock at the end of the day. Like you spend 12, 18 months breeding, joining, you know, weaning, everything else, and you have no idea what you're going to get for your livestock at the end of the day. That was really hard for me to comprehend. And I always related back to being a female, shopping. Like I could never go into a shop and just tell the shop attendant that I'm only going to give you shopping. $10 for a shirt, even though I knew it was worth $50. And that's what it was like for me to go to the sale yards. And I, I knew what my cattle were worth, but I was only getting paid bugger all for them. So, yeah, that, that was hard for me to comprehend. And I think that's kind of where a lot of the the thought around what we do now come into play
1: yeah well let's talk about that and i'll start it with you bianca how how did well how was our cow born and what where did this come from was it was it out of a necessity was it out of a an idea or what what was the reason behind our cow being you value adding this business
3: well we sort of we, we had to come up with a way how we could live off our farm and we were sort of thought to ourselves, well, we can't exactly afford to buy an, a more country and have, you know, a thousand cows around us because we we're in so much debt already for our livestock and for our farm. And we sort of said to each other, well, how can we make the most out of the little block that we had? Like we have 2,000 acres, but, um, you know, it's not premium cattle fattening country so we wanted to think of a way that we could make the most out of the farm that we had and we sort of thought the price of meat doesn't fluctuate anywhere near as much as the sale yard prices do so that's kind of where the idea come about we were actually sitting at the young beef producers forum in roma and we watched in 2018 um, it
2: wasn't. that was
3: 2018 we watched another lady who was running a paddock to plate meat company at the time Talk about her business, and also Michael Crowley, who was the uh, managing director of MLA, and he spoke about how the future of meat is people wanting to know where their food comes from. And we actually were sitting in that room, and it was that on that day that I came up with the name Our Cow and the logo and the slogan that we that we have now, and um, it just grew from there.
1: Yeah! Wow. And so, um, Dave, because I remember in the early days before our cow, right before I, you must have cracked the idea, you were looking at buying a super butcher. I yeah. don't know if you remember. It was I got a phone call out of the blue because we'd actually met our cow or you guys by then. Uh, you, I think you were part of one of our programs, the, the Take Control. And, and David just out of the blue contacted me and wanted to buy this multi-million dollar butcher shop and just asked me, you know, "Who do I know?" that I could introduce him to, that he could have raise some money and buy this, this shop together. And I just thought, you know, good on you for ringing and, and asking for help. I, I was very impressed with that phone call, actually. But um, let, let's just talk about the early days. You, you launched business. What, what? And I'll ask you this, David, and I'll go back to you, Bianca, but what were some of your early lessons in, in business when you when you first started out of our cow? Of course, you know, you, I could imagine you didn't have a cash flow. Things would have been tough on the farm. I mean... What, was some of your, what were some of the things you did in those early days to get traction?
2: I think just um, really we had no idea what we were going to do or, you know, like the road ahead. We were just comfortable because we were really in a position that we had to do something. Like we had, we were forced to make a decision. We were forced into a corner and we really wanted to um you know, just try and make a go of it. And it didn't really matter if we failed. Like, what the what was going to be the worst thing that happened? Like, we're just going to keep selling wieners or we're going to, you know, go and get a job somewhere else? Like, I don't know. We, we just weren't, we, when we first started this, it was, we said to each other that it didn't really matter if you ended up in a cardboard box. Like, we made that commitment to each other. Like, it, it just, and still to this day now, it's still 100% the commitment. Like, it, it's it seriously doesn't matter if we end up, living out of a cardboard box because like, it doesn't it doesn't concern me, really. And yeah. I think having those lessons that you just back yourself at the start and, you know, um, yeah, like our, our motto at the start was like get on our bandwagon or get out of our way, I, I suppose, and we still have that now too, don't we, I suppose. So I was like, I don't know. I don't know how to put it into work. You, you
1: took the risk without really fearing if, if it doesn't work.
2: And we didn't, know. we didn't know. It was just every day, you know, we thought, oh, that's a good idea. Or we used to sit at the table together. We used to share a computer on our kitchen table, you know, um, and we just write ideas. Like before we actually come up with our cow, when we were working in the mines, you know, like the first, the way that we come across Farm Owners Academy was, you know, like Bianca found these podcasts and we are trying to find out different things and the Profitable Farmer podcast come up And like I remember sitting in a bulldozer at three o'clock in the morning working for BHP, you know, and just thinking, oh, I cannot stand doing this. Like I need to do something different. And we used to have diaries with us that we just write and write business ideas. Like, you know, we used to talk all night about, you know, we should buy a gym or we should buy like we were just looking for any opportunity that we could. And you know, when those super butchers, came up for sale. I was actually working at the station next door. I was contracting there. Um, You know, I was was a welder, like fix all the stuff that broke down at the station next door. And then, you know, like um, we were enrolled in the take control program and this came up and I just thought, Oh, I'll ask Robbo what he thinks about. I sent you the P and L's and everything like that. Cause I had no idea. I'd never really looked at a P and L before in my life. And um, you know, then you put me in contact with Charlie Mort. Like right. Charlie Mort is the biggest feedlotter in, in Australia, you know. Like the man's like built a, a billion dollar company and he rang me out of the blue on the phone to have a chat about the super butcher franchise. And I couldn't I, I couldn't get over that. That you know, that little connection, just asking those questions. Um, you know, and Bianca's still got a sign on her wall right next to her office right now that I said, what requests that I what can it I say? make?
3: That would change my business or my life beyond my wildest dreams, and that's one thing.
1: You just say that again, Bianca, because I I just want people to hear that. What? what, Yeah, for those of you listening to this, please write this down because I feel this is one of your keys to succeeding, and we're going to talk about this. But can you just share that again, please?
3: On the on my wall in my office, I look at every day. It says, "What requests aren't I making that would dramatically change my life or my business beyond my wildest dreams?"
1: Yeah, what requests aren't I
3: making? And that's one thing I think that Dave and I have done from the start is we've always asked and we've always been open to asking and to receiving feedback or anything. Like that's where the conversation... for help. Yeah, because we don't know. And, you know, we didn't know anything when we started the business. And that's probably, like Dave said, one thing that we did from the start is we risked everything and we had no fear of losing at all. We We just went out and we risked it and... It just kind of worked. And I think when you do that, when you put it out into the universe, somehow it has this way of giving you what you're asking for.
1: Yeah. And so, I mean, just we'll just take a a backward step in the early days when you first launched. um, Obviously, you drove the business over the next 6 to 12 months to $25,000 a month, which I know was an enormous milestone for you. But back then, uh, how did you get the business to there? Like what, what was your business model back then?
2: Um, we were just basically started off, we, we thought, oh, we're going to start selling our meat online and our first couple, of, like we built this average as website, like we, you know, we got a university student to design our logo for 20 bucks over Upwork or something like that. Like it was, you know, ridiculous. And it's still the logo to this day. It cost me 20 bucks. Like we had, we thought that we going to be earth moving contractors and designed a logo that cost us $5,000. And we don't have that business no more, you know? So that's, that's just, normal. I think just, um, we started off trying to sell some beef online through Facebook and then people got wind of it and we were selling like quarters and stuff like that um and then you know we delivered our own first bit of meat and we borrowed a cold room trailer from one of our butchers you know and then we just delivered around and those customers they're still customers of ours today you know that that first delivery and then we basically just um started going from there we started we didn't we ran out of cattle straight away we didn't have enough to supply so we started bringing on other farmers and then you know word got around that they were you know trying to source good quality uh, beef from around our area and we we're paying good money we we're trying to you know stabilize the market a little bit for other farmers so yeah. you know, and then it just sort of started taking off from there and we got up to uh doing 25 grand a month and i, I can't believe like we sent you that video we we're like so it was proud. in the middle
3: of the drought and it was so dry yeah, it was, it was terrible. The, the, right in the midst of the drought in 2019
2: and we'd offloaded yeah. most of our cattle off of our farm so that's why you know we'd ran out, but we had another few guys that were closer to the coast um, and they could turn off grass fed animals like that really thick, lush pastures, still and stuff like that. And, and a few guys that were doing it pretty, pretty good. So, you know, we, we were able to process their animals and then tell their story, I guess, what was happening. And that's how we got up to that much. We, um, you know, and then we've become too big for our little butcher shop. We we're processing a couple of bodies a week through. Uh, another butcher shop. And um, anyway, I just started ringing around like asking if any butcher shops were interested in selling at this stage about the 25K a month mark. And, um, you know, I I just rang the right butcher shop and this guy told me, hey, there's an old butcher shop for lease that's been shut down for like three years. Here's this guy's number. You should give him a call. So I give him a call and uh, he basically, he'd give us the keys to the shop he he'd give us all the equipment in there. He was like this Irish guy that was super wealthy. Like he, you know, he just exited a, a multi multi million dollar company in WA, like a construction company, and um, he come to the North Coast pretty much to retire. And he, 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 I don't know. We just met with him. I think it's because he like he was an Irish guy, and he liked bankers' red hair, really. But he gave us the keys to the shop and like a hundred grand worth of equipment in there. And he said, "Have a go. Don't take the lease over. I'll still have the lease under my name. Um, but see how you just go for three or four months, and you know, then we'll chat." Anyway, three or four months went by. We ended up taking the lease over. We bought all the equipment off of him. And then, you know, we had our own little shop, which were, you know, I think we are sort of doing we might have been doing sixty or seventy k a month at that point, but we we employed our first staff member. We employed a butcher. That was uh,
3: nerve wracking because oh, yeah. we didn't we thought we um, didn't have enough work, and we were so nervous about taking this guy on. We were like,
2: and, we and robots we could
3: only give you two days of work a week because yeah. we don't have enough work. And then it ended up being like a seven day a week job. Yeah, for this fella. Um,
2: <laughs> and then I think he quit because we overworked him. But our first, like our first meat packer, Robbo, She, uh, she worked for Woolworths for 33 years in the meat department, and then she'd never had another job in her life. And then she, she took a punt on us. Like I don't know what, what she's, she's seen, seen us. in us, but she still works with our cow today. And she's like our head um, trainer. You know, she trains everyone in our boning room. So you know, we're just so grateful that people were willing to give us a go. But we, you know, we. We must have showed a bit of confidence, I guess, and asked them the right questions as well. So, um, I actually, yeah,
1: and also, you you know, your enthusiasm and passion just attracts people, right? Which, which we'll talk about shortly. Because I mean, just to drop in, but you've got twenty. How many team members today?
2: Uh, Thirty down here now. Thirty,
1: right? This is by the way, we're going three years ago. Everyone, this is imagine employing thirty people in three years. Before going there, I just want to go back to you for a second. Bianca and what were some of your business key business lessons that you took to, just to get that business to that well let's say to that $60,000 mark what were some of the the take, take how did you what were, what were some of the advice that you would give someone else to go from like a startup to that that level because that was a pretty I know when you sent me that video you were glowing with excitement like that was a major milestone for you and um and i was pumped to to get that video but what how what, what was it what happened for you to get there do you think Bianca? i remember. i think one of them was taking responsibility right and not letting the environment or the drought affect you
3: yeah that was one of the things that we learned from the start was just not playing the victim yeah. um, previously to starting this business I remember numerous conversations with Dave and I going, why is this happening to me? Why can't I get a break? Why does this keep happening? And and it was like we were playing poor me. Like it was poor me, this has happened. And um, it was, it was probably after we started listening to all the podcasts and the Profitable Farmer podcast, we were just like, no, like the environment is always perfect.
2: Yes. And then we went to the top producers in Adelaide as well. Like we went down to the two-day event. We were like really... We probably shouldn't have went because we were struggling a fair bit financially but it was like you know we had to go and do something and that was that was a life-changing event for us i think because we got to meet you in person and you know met, met all the other farmers in the room as well to be able to you know connect with those guys and and just listen to their stories and think to yourself that there's so much opportunity in ag especially and you know it was so. It was just so good to bounce ideas off of people and that down there and just network with other guys. So yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I just saw the shift, and and then literally the business took off from that twenty five thousand dollar mark. And let's talk now about the one hundred and fifty thousand dollar mark. And please make sure you you um, tune in because I'm going to open you up to something that I really give you guys credit for. Um, this op- operation three hundred, which. Uh, I think it's brilliant. I'll share it. and And hopefully you'll get some ideas from this, and you'll you'll understand what happened to take a business from that one hundred and fifty up to really that literally this nine hundred thousand dollars a month mark or eight hundred thousand dollars a month mark. So let's just talk about that. you You grew the business one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. We, we got back in contact. You needed a bit more help. um and and I think originally it was strategic planning, but, you you'd taken some risks correct and you you'd taken on a, a lot of you made a lot of changes in your business you geared up to handle a lot you'd taken on some risks to employ some more people and I'll start with you Bianca but you weren't breaking even.
3: Yeah that's right so at the start of the year we we relocated into a Massive premises, so we'd kind of outgrown the little butcher shop that Dave was talking about, and we happened to come across the lease for this building, and we thought it's too good of an opportunity to pass up. And to be honest, it was probably a step too far in front of where we actually were at the time. Um, but we we took the lease over, and we'd spent a lot of money to try and fit the building out. And we're we're only just talking about this before, but there were so many conversations where you know we'd had fridges in mechanics. Um, engineering people to build the building out. And we'd sit in bed at night going, how are we going to pay for this? We had zero money. We had literally nothing. And we had no idea how we were going to pay for it. And it was kind of at that point where we'd, we'd hit a ceiling in our sales and we didn't know what the next step was to get through that ceiling. We were just, we we're sitting around that 150, 160. We just couldn't get above that mark. And scattergun
2: marketing. Yeah, we were
3: scattergun marketing. We were just, um, we, we had no clear vision on what we were actually doing every day. We were just trying to claw for the next sale to come through or, you know, we'd send an email out or we'd release a new product just to try and get a few more sales to get us to get enough to pay our bills. And it was actually to the point where, you know, we sat down with our staff because we couldn't afford to pay our wages. There was a few weeks there where we had no money in the bank to pay our wages. We had drained all of our personal money. You know, we'd we'd pulled out of our mortgage to try and pay wages. And we sat down with our team and we just told them we were just vulnerable and said, like, this is where we're at. Like, the business is going backwards. We're we're really struggling. We're going to make sure you'll get paid, but we're going to be a couple of days late. We had to wait for the money to get in the bank. And that was probably one of the most vulnerable times I've ever been to my team. I remember being in the room and I couldn't hold my tears back. I was so upset. And our team stuck by us. Like there was a few people that seen it as really risky being with a business that couldn't afford to make ends meet. But the guys that stuck by us just are so amazed at where we're sitting right now but yeah yes we we reached out to you Robo, and just said like we need some help we, we think we're on to a good thing but we just don't know how to get to the next point to crack that we needed to crack 200k to break even a month and we yes. weren't doing that.
1: Well Dave what was it like for you because I know you were you were heading up finance and and um, you were in addition to Uh, everything you you were trying to chase the money all the time well I mean how much of your life was just trying to chase money and hustle to get it in so what was it like for you in that patch
2: yeah it was really stressful like you know I um uh, you know I left left school in grade eight so dealing with these sorts of numbers uh you know like it's I've learned to deal with it now but it was sort of like it was overwhelming, you know, you had people that were just ringing up looking for money and, you know, I didn't know how we were going to get out of this situation. We had a marketing manager at the time that we had to lay off and, you know, it was pretty, like, it was it was hard to do that. We just had to make that decision because, like, things weren't working. We just had to cut costs, really, and we were looking for every opportunity we, we had to try and cut costs. We'd, we'd spent, you know, a lot and a huge amount of money and went into a lot of debt to, to fit this new facility out. And, um yeah, the, the sales just weren't there, so it was hard to sleep at night sometimes and Benka probably had to put up with me and deal with me when I was uh, dealing with some pretty stressful situations. I'm actually only 21 years old, but I look like this at the moment so yeah
1: well, but mate, I mean I just want I want to firstly talk about again you, you both having the vulnerability to ask for help and I believe John was the first contact. It's amazing. Often, when the student's ready, the the, the teacher will appear correct. Um, and let's just talk about. I mean, you might not you might might not want to, but just the impact that John. I mean, what he's had on your business first, and I'll ask you that, David, because you, you you brought him in um, from an operational slash understanding your business better, and I believe it's had a tremendous impact on your business.
2: Yeah, I suppose the first couple of things like Bianca and I identified that. Marketing was an area that was letting us down because we weren't getting the sales, but the production was also. It wasn't as efficient as it was that it that it needed to be. Um, so we identified some areas that we could improve on. We're also cutting costs at the same time. And I just had a phone call out of the blue from this guy, and he he said to me, um, "You know, I've, I've got this. I've got some grass fed Wagyu beef, like some grass fed Wagyu cattle. If you want to come and have a look at them, I was like, oh shit." That sounds good so i went out to this guy's farm i had no idea who he was you know um and then i just got chatting to him and like he was really he intrigued me straight away so you know i started trying to find out a little bit more about him anyway turns out this guy he was you know he's semi-retired now but him and his brother had built a um, meat company to well over 300 million uh, revenue and export meat company, and he, you know, built it from the ground up over a thirty-five year period. And, you know, he's just pretty much semi-retired now, running a few hundred cows. And, um, but like he, he's he said to me that what we're doing is the future of the meat business. So he was really keen to get involved, and he's just, you know, been such a godsend to production and just that that sort of, um, I don't know, just. The skill. The, the skill and experience that we never had like we're not meat people we're friggin flat out being farmers where you know we're not butchers we're not marketers anything like that but you know you robo have a marketing skill and john has a production
0: um meat skill a
2: meat skill that we just needed to tap into to be able to try and get our business to the next level and it is 100 percent transformed us from what we were hitting that ceiling to what we are now, I guess. So, and and the more that I hang out with, you know, people like yourselves and and John, I just learned so much off of them to be able to 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 keep this growing. So this, we're only just scratching the surface, really. Look, I think this
1: is such a big lesson that so many people miss: is you don't have to know it all. Yeah. In fact there's often benefits in being vulnerable and admitting to not knowing it. And, I mean, a guy like him, it's, it's been extraordinary, the systems he's helped you put in place and how to run your operations and how to monitor what you're buying. And the it's been extraordinary, right? And and I know when we met, I, and I'll just ask if you remember the the biggest lesson, I don't know if you remember, it was break-even or what, Bianca? Break-even or else, that's yeah. the that we were in. Yeah. So, do you want to just describe what, what does that mean? So, so and this is another really important business lesson that. So, when I first um got in, involved through through farm owners with Bianca and David, they just reached out and we I just came down and saw what they're doing and oh, what what does that mean? Bianca, break even or else?
3: It it meant that we needed to break even or else we were going to shut the doors. We were yep. probably one month away from closing the business, and yes. when we came up with this break even or else nothing else mattered except breaking even
1: thank you which means working on your vision doesn't matter which means working on your culture doesn't matter which means working on your systems doesn't matter it was like this business needs to cover its expenses yeah. period and so um operation 300 was born and if it's okay with you can i can i share this this is please watch this everyone, because it's just i mean i i'm just so proud of what you created here you, you're okay if i share this
3: Perfect. yeah
1: cool um I'm just going to bring it up. And credit to these two, because Operation 300, let's let's just talk about it, the gist of what it was, Bianca, at, at a high level. What did Operation 300 mean and what was the goal?
3: So Operation 300, we had calculated that we needed 300 consistent people to purchase our products every month in order for us to break even. So yes. that's where Operation Three Hundred came from, and that's where the picture came from because we were we were going to war to find three hundred people that would want to eat our meat every single month.
1: Bingo! So if you can imagine, the plan was: Hey, we're going to go all in and do whatever it takes to hit this goal, which is going to push the business up to two hundred thousand dollars a month, which was their break even. Um, and the this is pretty powerful. This and, and because. I believe this is where your business model was born. Um, and again, Bianca, I'll get you just to share the birth of the Exclusive Eaters Club. Can you just maybe give the picture of what is it?
3: Yeah. So the, we launched the Exclusive Eaters Club when we launched Operation Three Hundred, and the, we we wanted to create a subscription club, kind of like um, you know your every every day rewards club or your frequent flyers they've all got wine these clubs. you know wine clubs so we came up with the exclusive eaters club so it's a subscription club that you become a part of you join and you get a box of meat every month when you join the exclusive eaters club yes. and that's where this came about
1: it's amazing so it was it was um, an investment of 200 a month you have delivery every two four or six weeks and you receive a box a box of meat delivered to your door you choose the cuts um, but really, I mean, this wasn't in existence really at this particular point. Right? I know you had something, but you, you had this in your intuition. Correct, Bianca. Like this was this was there, and we hadn't really tested this. This was going to be this was going to be sink or float. Correct me if I'm wrong. If this didn't work, it was going to be uh danger land.
3: That's correct. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so I just want to walk you through this. Um, because we mapped out a strategy of what we're going to do, what what, will our car, what they're going to focus on in order to hit their target. How are they going to get to 300? They're going to do emails. Um, they're going to do sales calls to the database. They're going to do some Facebook marketing, some SMS, SMS marketing. Now, down here, we had 640 new subscribers, but the goal was 300. And then I'll just walk you through this. We, we then created an action plan so which was literally everything that needs to be done to hit the target so you can see here we had a list of all the action who does what how long it will take everything was prioritized um hard launch so you know this this was this was really well thought out i mean this this literally took one to two full days to map out um uh, Bianca, I'll stick with you here because I know Bianca heads up marketing, David heads up finance, and we'll talk about the organizational chart shortly. And Dave sits at the top at CEO, but he allowed Bianca to really focus on this. Do you want to just talk about this exercise here from a high level, the where we broke down the advantages of the club, but then we converted it into the benefits and the advantages? Uh, how impactful was that exercise for you? And and how much did that contribute to the success of the, the campaign?
3: This was probably one of the most important things that we did was broke down the the advantages of joining the club and all of the, I think we listed 15 advantages. That was the basis of all of our marketing. So every bit of marketing and messaging that we put out was based around these advantages. So we broke the advantages down and then we put it into a message that would communicate to a customer so free home delivery so we went around and we talked about how much this saved time money stress um, all those sorts of things and that became the marketing for that week is what we spoke about was the free delivery and then we spoke about the convenient packaging and then we spoke about the extended shelf life it just gave us the structure the bones of all of our marketing for this whole campaign
1: yeah and i mean dave uh before even doing that you you organized a focus group um which i believe Bianca ran ran but uh, you actually took the time out to to interview your customers as well correct to understand well what is it that you want and what's important for you do you want to just talk a little bit about that and and the impact that that had even before all of this doing that actual
2: exercise yeah well we didn't really know whether this was going to pay like come off or not like we're just throwing ideas up. We, we thought we had a pretty sh- strong plan, but we had no idea. So we really, we had a our, our few potential customers and then some customers of ours or some people that weren't customers of ours have yet. And we just uh, we organized like a what, a Zoom it? meeting. It was from our farm in Bayuga. We were having tea one night and we got our, our customers on the Zoom. And we just asked them a heap of questions of, you know, if we did this, what do you think if you were to do this, what would you think if we did this, and all of them said that they would sign up, they 100% believed in what we were trying to do. So and even, you know, we offered a little gift as a thank you for, for them signing up and giving us their time. But that was really like, um it was a tick of approval from our customers to say, Yeah, that's going to work. And then we we hit we just put everything we had into this operation 300 once we got that ticket of approval we knew that it was going to work because we took a you know a slice of our customers and, and tried to work it out and then it yeah, went from there
1: yeah and we we ended up with this with this really concise offer which is join the club and, and receive a gift on joining the club and um and so bianca, mapping all of this out and getting all the planning and getting everything ready for literally the next two to three months worth of work. I mean, what what did that give you? Just taking the time out to to have this project, this Operation 300, and then all of a sudden, right. Um, What what did the planning give you and and taking the time to, to do it at this degree?
3: It just gave us the structure. And that's one thing that we were missing in our business was structure. Like I said before, we were scattergun marketing. We were trying to sell this and sell that and sell something else. But doing this gave us the structure for the next three months of what we needed to focus on.
1: Yeah. So, David, what was the result after that three-month campaign?
2: So we were were looking for 300 members into the Exclusive Eaters Club and that was break-even. That was like... Shit! I can go to sleep at night. I can make sure my bills are paid. Everyone, all of our stuff are going to get paid. And we ended up, uh, we ran this campaign for three months, and we ended up finishing up with a bit over seventeen hundred members to the club. So we, we'd like it just blew us away. We had nearly three hundred members sign up in the first week of launching. It was crazy, you know. So. We, we actually
3: had this wall behind us was covered in post it notes yeah. so every single person that joined got a post it note on our wall and there were 1700 names on our wall and it was just like a vacuum we looked at it every day yeah. you know we were visualizing it and it pulled off
1: yeah and and i just this is the this is the incredible point um and you would you both agree that your greatest success is just three degrees to the left or the right of where you're looking?
3: 100%.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, we were, we fumbled around for probably 18 months in our business, just, you know, like we didn't know. So we were like, oh, yeah, this is working okay. That's working okay. But once we had some focus and some clarity, um you know, this it, it, the business has just gone completely crazy now. So having that focus and clarity on what we're going to do and sticking to it. So, you know, I'd put it back into farming terms if I'm running Angus cows and then I think I'm going to go and put a bloody short on bull over them. And then I'm going to put a bloody a brangus bull over them. And it takes three years to get a breeding program together. Like it's just you're always changing. So you never get the results out of it, I guess. So it's just having something... Some structure and a focus around it, and then sticking to that focus, like as you say, mate, putting that magnifying glass on it and just focusing on it. So,
1: yeah, and and you start a fire, correct? If you can imagine a magnifying glass, if you hold it still enough for long enough, you'll use the ray of the sun, and you'll start this fire. um And you just held your energy on one thing. You know, that was a long period, three months. I mean, then everyone can do the maths. Seventeen hundred uh, with an average spend of what, about two thirty a month, or something around that level. Yeah. And the, what's the the other major benefit of this strategy is we're getting recurring revenue. What's yeah. that like?
2: Oh, it just took so much uh, stress away because I I also deal with the livestock side of things as well. So just having the stock coming in, you know, the dealing like the amount of um, bodies of beef or lamb or Or pigs i need to process so having that reoccurring revenue and that uh, that consistency every single month i'd you know i might have processed 80 or 100 lambs one week and had heaps of sales and then the next week the sales fall off and it was like oh but how how do you have that sort of prediction on on when that's coming in all the time and also the you know the the money i guess is a good part (laughs) The, yeah. the money hitting your bank account every month is really good. helps me yeah.
1: out. So, Bianca, once this is all done, you're able to come back to strategic planning, and I know you've been strategic planning for the last four years, well, three, you know, three and a half years. Tell me about the impact that that's had on your business, Putting having a strategic plan followed by uh, breaking it into 90-day slots.
3: Yeah. So after we did the um, the Operation 300 campaign for three months, we stopped and we reset and we just focused on the strategic plan for three months solid. So we did Operation 300 and then we moved into smooth systems. Yes. So we, we just wanted to, because we'd grown so much, we needed to put some systems and some um, some structure around our business. So we were able to We've got ourselves to break even and then we just focused on stepping back, setting up, building a good foundation and setting up all of those systems.
1: Yeah, and part of that process was mapping out the next 10 years um, and where you're going to be in three years. And, Dave, what impact that had on you and also your team, just, just having that clarity now of where you're taking the business over the next decade?
2: Well, everybody in this, like everyone that works here or is you know a farmer of ours... They know exactly where we're heading. They know where, you know, where our focus is and and what we're what we're going to do. You know, so it just we've shared everything with our guys and our farmers as well. So, yeah, it's, it's it just it gives us so much clarity around it.
1: Where did you learn this? What, what where did you pick up
2: this? And and um uh,
1: where, where, when obviously you did your first strategic plan some time ago, right? But if you can imagine, that led you to where you're at today, even though your business model. Dropped, and by the way, everyone, this is April last year. Operation Three Hundred started in April last year. This year, this year. This Sorry, year. April this year. <laughs> Shit, I forgot about that. But so yeah. this business has gone from a hundred and you know fifty odd thousand dollars a month to seven, eight hundred thousand, eight hundred thousand a month. Is that what you're at now? Yeah. Um, uh, we'll talk about the latest campaign, and and that's happened in yeah, I forgot seven months or whatever, six months.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. So what we, I remember doing our first strategic plan when we were on the farm and we we're just farmers, and um, it was we done the take control pro. Well, after we listened to the um, the podcast, we signed up to the take control program through farm owners, and you know we we just started mapping out, and and that that really give us the the motivation to try and start something or do something because we're actually planning for our little farm and, you know, that sort of stuff. And we started, I think our first strategic plan, it was like, it looked ridiculous on paper, but it, it started, you, you put stuff down and you actually, it made you think about it, I guess. So it wasn't the per, like the most perfect plan, but. You it, gave you movement. Yeah, it, it definitely started us in the right direction. So it's so, like, I remember when I first seen that strategic plan in the Take Control program, it was like, shit, this is pretty overwhelming, but. Um, you, you just work on it every single quarter, it gets better and better and better and better. And now, you know, our strategic plans after three years later are like, they're Mickey Mouse. They, You know, you smash it out, you, you, know, you, you get all the issues out, you come up with a good solid plan and then you just focus on that plan for the next three months and you don't let anything distract you. Like, you know, things come in now that are like, oh, yeah, that would have been good, that would have been good, but it is just you put that to the side and focus on making sure that we hit that strategic plan and those goals that we set every three yeah. months.
1: <laughs> I'm pleased you said that. It took you three or so years to finally get into the groove, but you needed it to start But and yeah. you made all of these mistakes, if you like, but you needed to go through that, correct, to find your business model, and um, if it's okay with you, are you okay if I share now some of your strategic plan? Yep.
3: Go for it.
1: Obviously, the strategic plan has helped you come up with your core purpose to sell high-quality, grass-fed, free-range and organic meat products online through flexible, customised subscription service delivering directly to Australian households. I think we might have to change this to, to um, households around the globe soon, actually, correct? Yeah. Because this, this will evolve. You've obviously got your niche. Um, You want to be Australia's largest and best meat subscription community, allowing consumers to enjoy premium meat delivered. You're targeting city and metro areas, couples, families, health conscious and foodies. You're clear on all of these things. You're clear on how it works, sourcing livestock through the Exclusive Eaters Club. I'm going to move through this quite rapidly, but just to show the clarity that you can get once you complete this process. I mean, I love this. This is the growth, everyone, from April. You can just see uh, the business tracking up and, and we're now, it's even more than that, correct, Dave? Um, I mean, that's at November 21st. What's it at, what's it at as of today? Um, yeah, it's well over 780 or something now, I think. So. so, you know, you can, and this is what happens. You start getting momentum um, and, and it's just, it's, it's going to even get more, okay? I, I know that. We can see the growth here, incredible growth. Um, we've got the the benefits which we we spoke about before all the benefits that you're providing from paying premium money for supply through the the delivery of the meat to the to the customer your story which is incredible you know you, well this is um it's it's higher than this but a huge social media following you've got a huge database team of over 30 now you've been on landline sunrise this has all happened in the last year really sunrise today show channel nine seven news um this incredible facility that i've been to down in casino incredible recurring revenue um and an incredible community uh that I'm, i'm i'm a member of that community it's it's fantastic there's everyone's loves being in it and loves sharing pictures of their meat it's incredible but let's talk about this firstly you dave 10 year target this is pretty full on right this is 1st of July, 2031, uh, 75,000. Look at this, everyone. Revenue of 21 million a month or 252 million a year or a BHAG of 1 million subscribers. How do you feel about that goal, Dave? And how important is it starting out with that end in mind?
2: Yeah, well, it just really brings it back to, you know, our three-year plan, our 12-month plan. But that's 75,000 subscribers is is really achievable to me I can see that now and I think that we can um well we want the reason why we set this goal like this is everyone's probably not you know wanting to set huge goals or they're quite comfortable and having you know um different sort of sorts of goals as well but we want to be able to make a change in this industry you know like we want to have an impact on the livestock and the and the farming industry, and we also want to have an impact on our customers to be able to connect them with our farmers. So yeah. if we said that we wanted to just sell our own meat and you know sell a bit of beef and like secure ourselves, it's not about just us. It's about really trying to to make a change in this industry and disrupt what's been going on for. You know, however long it's been going on for the, the monopoly of these these couple of big meat companies in Australia, you know. So these are the things that I really am passionate about. And so as Bianca, we we we've got we're young, we've got some energy. Like let's make a change. Like who else is gonna do it?
1: Yeah. Bianca, would you agree that this goal's bigger than you? And what's it like having a goal that's bigger than you?
3: It's humbling to know that if we achieve this goal, the impact that we will have on the livestock industry and how, you know, we can change the way people purchase food and think about food. Like we see how much um, negative stuff is in the media about farmers and especially with all the plant-based meat movement. I think if people can actually connect with where their food comes from and know the person behind it, we will have a far greater impact than any of those plant-based meat or vegan movements or anything like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's inspiring. And the the lesson that I wanted to share here is when you find a vision that becomes bigger than you, this eliminates procrastination. Would would that be a fair call? Like you two, uh, you're just so passionate about this. This is what gets you out of bed. And this is what, would you also agree that this is what motivates your team, attracts people to want to work with you, this vision? And what, what do your team think of this?
3: Most yeah. of our team have come to us, our new team have come to us because they've seen us on Facebook or they've seen us on Instagram or on Landline. So they already know the business before they even come and step foot in the door. They know what we're about and they know why we're here. So they're fully aligned.
2: And you're 100% right. Like if this was just about us, like I would have given up. Like it is tough, man. Like it's not no walk in the park. You can't just roll out of bed of a morning and, you know, all of a sudden $10 million shows up in your bank account. Like it just, it, it, that doesn't happen. Like you have to be prepared to put every ounce of physical and mental energy into something to create something of of magnitude. So this thing that we're creating, we, we want to have an impact on, on a lot of things in this world. And, you know, having a goal like this, it motivates you to keep going when times are tough. You know, it motivates you to get out of bed and, you know, when me and Bianca are fighting like cats and dogs and, you know, the, you know, the, all that sort of stuff, it motivates you to keep going. So
1: <laughs> I can imagine. And then if we've brought it back to the three-year picture, which, again, I won't spend much time, but we've got a lot more detail of what it looks like in three years. We've got a measurable of 6,000 in the club, right? I mean, you've already 50% there. Okay, we're going to come back to the the one year picture. I mean, this how achievable is this? Like, it's but this is such a great milestone for you to get to your your ten year plan. Ninety people in your in your team. You want to own the premises. Um, We're coming back down to your one year picture. This is by first of July. I mean, you've just hit this pretty much. I mean, you're so you're so close to this. How many how many people have you got in your club at the moment?
2: Yeah, we've just hit this goal as of today so
3: we achieved it in three months we
2: achieved our um our one year plan in three months
1: yeah well actually let's talk about this one because i know one of your one of your objectives is now to raise some capital by the way they've done all this without raising any money um and we just now know is the time for you to get some capital into the business uh to ensure risk is reduced, but also to enable you to scale up even more. So do you want to talk a little bit about that, Dave, where you're at and and what you're looking for? And by the way, if anyone's interested, send a message to support at Farm Owners Academy and we'll we'll send you some details from our cow. Well, there's two things you're looking for. I'll get you to talk to both, Dave, which is I know you're looking for possibly some capital to help you go to the next level. Um, We'll talk about, you know, why. And the other one is I know you're looking for supply.
2: Yeah, I suppose to be able to achieve our goal, it's not just you know I can uh, try and rely on selling my farm or getting a little bit of money out of my savings anymore. Like this thing is a monster and a machine now. So it to be able to get to that goal, uh, it, it's going to require a bit of capital, and and we're quite willing and open to to be able to get that goal. We have to we have to sell some of this business off to be able to you know bring on some cash to be able to make. Uh, efficiencies in our production to be able to put money more money into marketing to be able to keep growing it and to be able to have more of an impact on on farmers and and really try and have some stability ac- across this farming game i think that oh you know we as a team we've agreed that we have to take some money on so on the other side of things as well the more farmers i guess you know the job's good at the moment in the livestock game um, plenty of rain. There's not a lot of cattle around or lambs or anything like that. The job's good, but you know we want to have some stability all the time, not just when the job's good like it is now. So if you know eighteen months or two years it comes back, we want to have that stability for people. So we're looking for more suppliers to be able to come on on uh, on the journey as well. You know?
1: Yeah, and and what I love about that is you've got another another why correct, which is not only Will you be looking after the farmers? You've got you've got a market there. Then you've got the customers that you're selling to. Then you've got your team that you're building in casino, and then you've got shareholders. It's just another reason to give you a why to help all of those parties succeed. Correct.
3: That's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, and then obviously the ninety day rocks, which we've we it's all all of a sudden it's mapped back. So we've got this is this this is strategic planning, everyone. It's it's nailing your core purpose. It's nailing your target audience is nailing your 10-year plan, your three-year plan, your 12 months, 90 days. And as D- David and Bianca have both said, it's just given you, and you'd agree with me, it's just given you extraordinary focus, correct, and and an opportunity to reset every 90 days.
2: Just having the tools in front of you to be able to do this as well, you know, it's just, uh, and giving yourself, like, Probably at the start of the year, we weren't interested in trying to do a strategic plan because you were just, you you were like a cat at the frigging door. Your claws were on the wall. You were trying to get ahead and and break even. But now you you have to put some structure around it to know where you're going and get in front of the game, I guess. Because if making decisions um, like we were, like scattergun marketing and things like that, if you're making decisions on farm or whatever you're doing that's just reactive, well, you're never in front of the game and you're always like, behind the wave. Like we want to be in front of the wave and, and catching the wave, not behind it. Yeah.
1: So you're looking for some capital again. If if anyone's interested in finding out a bit more about how that looks or works, please send an email, to support.farmownersacademy.com. You're also looking for supply. Can you just be clear on um, what so- what supply you're interested in?
2: Uh, definitely some uh, cattle and, and lamb supplies uh beef cattle we you know predominantly take a british bred animal uh, but you know we want a good story to tell as well so if you if you think you you're doing good things in ag and and definitely have a good story to tell we want to be able to market that to our customers because like beinga said there's so so much negativity in the livestock game and and in the farming space we want to tell the good stories that are happening in in the farming game you know to our customers in australia if not the world so yeah. uh, our land supplies uh, as well, we, we process lambs in Queensland, New South Wales and Victoria as well now. So, um, you know, we chase our lambs between that sort of 19 to 26 kilo dress weight. Um, Australian whites, we, we love Australian white lambs, but Dorper and Wiltie Poles um, as well. So if you're into those meat sheets and you've got some, just let us know. Actually, can we, what's the best way
1: for people to reach out to you if they're, if they're interested in... Um, Uh, supplying to you
2: just uh, send us an email at admin at ourcow.com.au and yeah we can definitely have a chat
1: oh well hopefully everyone heard that admin at ourcal.com.au send it directly to them
2: yeah and and just like Robbo was saying you know having that bit of momentum at the start you know it, it takes a little bit to get it off the ground but once it starts, the momentum and the and that whirlwind just comes and comes, and you're just attracting in more stuff. But you know, you're having that routine, we've sort of changed our whole routine a bit in the morning. I think we have. Uh, if you would have said to me, you know, three years ago that I would be getting up in the morning and exercising and meditating and you know saying affirmations and journaling. and journaling and things like this every single day, you know, like I would have laughed at you, but. You have to be you have to be different like you have to I was sharing with Robo last week that you know I went out for dinner with a couple of friends and you know one of my mates made a comment that you know rich people are, are different or something like out of the blue and I thought well they have to be you know like to be able to make that sort of sacrifice to to create something you have to have you have to be different you have to think different it's not just the same old thinking all the time like I love going and drinking beer with my mates at, you know as much as the next bloke but if you want to create something you have to be prepared to do the work
1: yeah well what what would you what changes have you had in your mindset Bianca over the last 3 years and and how important is is it from your perspective in addition to what you just said David having a good mindset to to succeed in business
3: yeah definitely your mind is the the main engine room of your whole body if your mind is clear and you've got clarity and that's what the strategic plan helps with it just gives you clarity every day and just working on releasing any blockages or you know um putting things into the universe that you want to come back to you. So we do a lot of, like, meditating and visualising and and stuff like that. We, um, Yeah, to just to try and bring that positivity back to us.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny, right, because you would have the first, I'm assuming the first seed that you would have heard of this is at the top producers. For those that don't know, two-day event, you're coming back to the next one, correct? Yeah, yeah. we're going yeah. to
3: the next one. Can't wait.
1: In February, please come. Um, it's possibly going to be one of the last times I think I'll be presenting at it with Greg Johnson and Jeremy Hutchings and Westy and a whole bunch of others um, will be presenting there. But uh, we talk a lot about this. And as you mentioned, Dave, a lot of people think it's a very sceptical to it or think it's a load of rubbish. And, and you were just saying that this is the stuff that's contributed so much to your success.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think just um, that the mindset thing, you know, like I, I can't imagine what we would be like if we were still in the same mindset of and we still find ourselves, you still catch yourself every day, you know, thinking negatively. Oh, why is this happening or why is that happening? But if you can majority of your time think about the positivity and you know what what you're grateful for, we write down what we're grateful for every day, you know. So yeah. and if we're not grateful for what we have, we can't get anything more. So yeah. you know, having those that positivity in our life and and the mindset just I don't know just and we we are we're really trying to focus on that on our team as well and do some training with those guys to be able to transform their lives and and have a positive impact on our people the people that are a part of our and are working here you know so they can you know uh, like have better financial literature and you know like have have their their lives and their relationships and whatever their goals are they want they can work towards it yeah
1: bianca um if there's a last business lesson or tip that you would share and we'll we'll sit around and take a few questions but if there's a a, a lesson or advice you would pass on what would it be
3: um having a plan and staying focused yeah wow um, just as a female as well i find it very easy to have diffused awareness so I, um, you know, I see this and I see this and I see this and I see this, but it's, it takes a lot of energy for me to focus on one thing, but it's been the best thing that I've ever done is to have a clear strategic plan, a vision and a goal. Yeah.
1: yeah. And again, the whole process starts, for those of you that don't have that, come to the top of juices. We'll teach you, we'll teach you how to do that. February next year. Um, how about you, Dave?
2: What, what, what's if you've passed on a piece of advice? Um just back yourself really. If you want to do something, don't be afraid of what people might think or you know, you know, what other people are, are gonna think of you. Just back yourself. If you're gonna if you wanna do something, just have a crack and, and back yourself. Love it. Thank
1: you so much. I appreciate it. I hope everyone got something from that. And uh, it's a very inspiring story. You're an incredible couple that I just know uh, we'll see tremendous success so well done david and beaker and thank you so much everyone for being on here we'll bring you some more of these as time progresses actually the next one we've got we'll do a, a leadership story of, of morton co how they are able to take their business up to a 750 million dollar business so i'm looking forward to interviewing them and sharing that story coming up soon thank you everyone take care all the best
3: yeah bye